Hey, what's up? Hello, everybody. Alex Kapitko here, and this is the Centered from Reality podcast. It is a now sunny Wednesday in Chicago. Poured rain all day yesterday. I decided to go out on a run because there was a break in the rain, and about halfway through, I had to go into a store to get a Ziploc bag to put my phone in because it was raining so hard that I literally had to jump through puddles and I ended up giving up and just running through the water. So it was a very wet day. Spent the afternoon doing some work and drying my clothes. So that was fun. But anyways, look at me. Two days in a row after my uh, long little hiatus here. I am coming back. Coming back in full. Um, Today's going to be just kind of a short little episode. Uh, Tomorrow, back with a full episode. But there's been some interesting debates the last couple days. And I just wanted to give some of my takeaways on them because I watched both the Charlie Crist-Ron DeSantis debate for Florida governor, and I also watched the debate for the Senate in Pennsylvania between John Fetterman and Dr. Mehmet Oz. And uh, let's start with the with the DeSantis debate, uh, the Charlie Crist-DeSantis debate, because I think it's interesting, and it was actually kind of telling to me in a lot of things, and I guess, like, disclaimer before I get going is that I think um, DeSantis will still dominate and become governor. But at the same time, I also think this may be not good for his national aspirations going forward. And I'll explain in a minute. But background for those who didn't watch, Florida's governor is Ron DeSantis. You know, some people think he's maybe going to be the guy who uh, takes the torch from Trump or may challenge Trump. He's kind of become a culture warrior rallying against groomers in schools, rallying against woke ideology in schools, uh, battling Disneyland, uh, battling cruise companies. He's kind of an interesting character, very um, pseudo-conservative in a lot of ways, because he's very authoritarian in the views he has and how he treats private industry, how he treats free speech. Uh, He's been seen (laughs) um, bullying children wearing masks. And as you guys, I'm sure, are pretty aware, I'm not a big mask guy. But um, if I'm, I'm kind of a cultural libertarian. So if someone's wearing a mask, I'm not going to go bully them. But there's a there's a press conference where Ron DeSantis is with a bunch of school children and some of them are wearing masks and he starts just berating one of the kids and tells them to take the mask off. So, you know, he's just kind of been the center of kind of just all these culture wars. Um, and he just seems like kind of a prickly dude, but I'll, I'll get into that more later. Anyways, uh, Charlie Crist, congressman, kind of just a standard Democrat in a lot of ways. And these two went toe-to-toe on everything from abortion to the Hurricane Ian response from a couple weeks ago to the state's ongoing culture wars, coronavirus, and DeSantis' ambitions, I guess you could say. And Crist is significantly down in the polls, to put it lightly. I believe it's even double digits, at least as a couple days ago when I saw. And he's also almost out of campaign money. DeSantis is up. He has about $100 million in reserves for his campaign. And he's doing well. Look, I mean, I have friends from Florida. I talk to people from Florida. Even on our uh, trip in Switzerland, we actually met some people from Florida. And they were like, you know, Trump's exhausting. We don't like him. But DeSantis is a god. We love him and blah, blah, blah. So, you know, long story short, DeSantis is definitely really popular in Florida. So he's probably going to win. And But he did a good job, I think in kind of berating and attacking DeSantis and kind of making an interesting visual point, if you want to put it that way, that DeSantis isn't really much of a charismatic attacker. Um, He kind of made DeSantis look like a fool, challenged his national credibility, and showed that maybe he's not as much the guy who's going to follow in Trump's footsteps. Because if it was Trump versus Chris, Chris would have been 
in trouble, I think, against Trump. Because Trump is really good at finding people's weaknesses and doubling down on them or interrupting or just dominating the debate. And in this case, DeSantis kind of just stood there. And before I go into kind of some of my other thoughts on the debate, I want to just go over a few of the takeaways for those who didn't watch, things that I found interesting. So I think Chris really nailed it when he basically kind of called out DeSantis for attacking Biden. And then he's like, of course you're attacking Biden because you're going to be running against his party in four years or two years when you run for president. He's like, can you commit to running the full term as governor? Because it's kind of insinuated that DeSantis would, you know, drop out of his governorship and, uh, you know, run for president and he would leave the state behind. And he kind of nailed this back a few times. He's like, can you commit to the full term as governor? And DeSantis constantly just kind of stood there awkwardly, cringy. Just wasn't a great look for him, honestly. And uh, it, it kind of nailed a point home that, you know, DeSantis can't really defend himself very very well when he's called out. And also that he probably does have national aspirations. So is he really there for Florida? Again, I don't think a lot of people care. He's a big figure, but... I think it shows the problem of our constant election cycle in a way is that if you're going to run for governor, run for governor. Don't run for governor, win, and then leave. You know, I'm kind of sick of that type of bullshit, but that's a whole other conversation. Also, um, he was very vague on abortion, uh, which was interesting, uh, though I, I should admit that DeSantis actually, I don't really totally disagree with Florida's 15-week ban. It's, um, you know, better than a lot of these other states that are just trying to ban it altogether. Florida obviously does have a fairly like moderate progressive population as well. So I think it would be hard for him to go further than that. And so he did lie a little bit about the 15 week thing, but I think in general, that wasn't too bad. The thing that always gets in kind of gets me about DeSantis though. And I wish, you know, if he shut up about this, I would have a lot less issues with him. But but during the debate, they really talked about the culture war issues, school issues, et cetera, which Florida's kind of been a hotbed for. And DeSantis talked about how they're trying to teach students that we all live on stolen land, for example. And I mean, you know, I, I think there's one thing teaching kids to hate America, which I don't agree with. And there's another thing to tell kids like, hey, this was stolen land. A lot of, pl- a lot of places have been created on stolen land. Like modern history is kind of about warring people taking each other's land, nationalist movements, the creation of nation states, whatever not. And then also they got into the transgender issues and DeSantis made it sound like, all the transgender kids just want to change their bodies and it's abuse and they shouldn't be able to and it's just a social phenomenon and you know it's tough it's a complicated issue but he seems to really only think of these issues through the lens of they're trying to indoctrinate children not in the lens of maybe we should have some some sympathy as well and so these issues are definitely not black and white but to him they seem to be and another thing i would just add in this debate was that Chris actually kind of called out DeSantis in being a true conservative. He's like, and to, to the extent of saying something like, he attacked DeSantis for A, going after Disney because of what he deemed like woke movies. He's like, that's not very conservative of you to fight against what a private company can say. Then he went after DeSantis and the cruise ships, because I don't know if you guys remember, but DeSantis basically... Wanted to, wanted to cut funding and force the cruise ships to let people back without vaccines um, when the cruise ships were just doing this basically for their own health of employees, staff, and people on the boat. And DeSantis kind of tried to force these private companies to do what he wanted. 
And Chris is basically like, is that really a conservative thing to do? Uh, which it's not, in my opinion. But, uh, you, you know, at least this debate probably, like I said, won't do anything. But I guess my, my, my takeaways, though, from this debate would be that it doesn't seem like DeSantis has what it takes to go against Trump. Look, we usually see him on Twitter videos or on short TikToks or in news segments where it's, you know, like 30 seconds or less of him doing something or saying something. But when he's put in this hour-long debate format, he doesn't seem to really have the charisma or I guess you could say the balls to really stand up for himself. I mean, most of this debate, he was cringeworthy to look at. Like, Chris was attacking and he, he, had, he struggled with responses. Like, when he asked him if he would commit to a, a full term as governor, he just stood there. Trump would be attacking. Trump would be attacking Chris left and right. And the debate to me just showed that DeSantis is fairly robotic, lacks charisma. And I think he likes the attention that he's getting as kind of the next guy, the guy who's going to take the torch. But just standing there when you're attacked and kind of having this squeaky voice and like a lack of a sense of humor and not good at public speaking. I just don't really think he has what it takes to be like Trump 2.0. Now he does have the like kind of creepy culture war authoritarian, not conservative libertarian values, which I think are Trump-like in a way. But this debate just showed me that I think if he was on a national stage, it would be hard for him to really get a lot of attention because we have to remember that in Florida, people know him, they like him. But maybe it'd be harder to convince people in, say, Michigan or something. Again, I don't know. It's too early, but it was interesting to watch. And moving on, I just want to touch real quick on the Fetterman and Oz debate. That's uh, TV doctor Mehmet Oz, who was a surgeon, and Fetterman, who, John Fetterman, who is the current lieutenant governor. Let's remember that he had a stroke back in May, and he's still recovering from that. He got a lot of criticism. I think it was a little bit over a week ago when NBC did an interview with him and they had to basically use a form of a teleprompter because while it's clear that Fetterman has not lost his memory and he can think well and he's definitely not lost a step in terms of cognition, he is having an issue of processing audio and then being able to articulate what he wants to say. And articulation seems to be a problem. And that's always been kind of the focus because he was really up on Oz. His campaign has been effective uh, kind of, of, of attacking Dr. Mehmet Oz as a fraud, a guy who's lived in New Jersey but just wants to move back to Pennsylvania, use his money to basically run politics there even though he doesn't give a shit. Um, and it worked really well. You know, Fetterman kind of stayed out of the limelight, stayed out of the cameras, and was able to attack Oz without really saying much. Unfortunately, though, Oz has really cruelly focused on the stroke, and he's unfor it's, it's unfortunately worked, I think. It has worked at kind of reminding voters that Fetterman has not really done a lot of speaking since the stroke, and now the race is close, and unfortunately a lot of voters do have concerns about Fetterman, which I guess is, is definitely understandable, and Fetterman did this interview on NBC last week, and it raised a lot of questions. Um, just because he needed this teleprompter to speak or, or to respond to the questions, and he was a little bit slow. His articulation wasn't great. Now, for me, my I don't have an issue with this, I'll just say, because it's not like he's going to war or going to be working in a U.S. embassy abroad where he needs to talk to people in front of a counter on a daily basis. He's a senator working in an office mainly, and he's going to have staffers. And to be honest, like I don't really think it's a significant problem. That's my opinion. Believe me, and I'm not going to mention names, but there's definitely some older senators right now 
that I think have a lot more cognition issues. Um, and I'm not trying to be ageist, but Fetterman just right now has an auditory articulation issue. He doesn't actually have a cogni- cognition, cog- cognition issue. Sorry. And I think that's a serious thing to consider here. But I don't think people tend to understand that. And so here's where we're at. Oz has been quite rude in these attacks. And so there was a debate last night. And I'll just start by saying that the debate was kind of eh. Um, I did wish that the moderators did not focus as much on Fetterman's stroke. It seemed to be... Because, look, Oz has a lot of baggage, too. He's um, been kind of quacky with his uh, vaccine views, some of his pseudoscience, his studies on puppies, which I don't even know enough about to really comment, but I know that there was the death of a lot of puppies involved in his studies, which is is probably common in science. I think there was other stuff with CDC. But anyways, um, it does seem like they could have focused on some of Dr. Oz's issues as well, but the focus really kept coming back to Fetterman's stroke. And I I don't want to say there was a bias there, but the moderators clearly were more focused on Fetterman's issues than Oz's issues. Um, But... (laughs) Unfortunately, I don't think the debate was good for Fetterman because it seems like Fetterman knows way more about policy and really had not lost a step in articulating what he wanted to when it was prepared. He is still lieutenant governor. He understands clearly more the issues of Pennsylvania. He grew up in a blue-collar town. He understands the issues. He came from a teaching background and has got all the way to lieutenant governor. I think that is admirable. But he really struggled on a, fir- on a few things. First off, apparently he said he was completely against fracking back in 2018. And then in something like 2020, he said he was totally for it, or at least understood that it needed to be done. And when he was asked about that, he really could not articulate it well. And there were other times during the debate where the optics were just not good for him. His articulation skills, I think, were the problem. Like, it was clear that he remembered everything. He remembered policy issues. He tried to be combative with Dr. Oz when necessary. So there was no, like, processing issues. It was just the articulation. And because we live in an optics culture and a place where people really depend on optics, I I do worry that it did not look good for the guy. And I also think it's kind of sad because I, I heard someone joke that Oz actually sounded like he had a stroke, not not Fetterman, just because of the word salad and the and, and just the way he was talking about issues. It didn't seem like he really formulated them very well. He was just kind of using all these culture war talking price talking points like crime, inflation, surge I'm a surgeon. I, I think I think I, I wish I started a drinking game for how many times he talked about being a surgeon, for example. It was just stuff like that that you're like, come on, man. So It was clear that Fetterman knows more and would probably be a better senator, but Oz was able to remind people of the stroke, and they were able to bring up some points where Fetterman really couldn't explain why he was kind of wishy-washy on some issues. And it's, it's more sad to me, in a sense, is because it seems like since Trump won as president, other public figures that have a lot of money and influence thought that they could kind of repeat what Trump did. They thought they could capture the same magic as Trump. And so now they're all running for office. And Trump was unique. You know, Trump was unique and he was able to do it. But also people watched him on The Apprentice. He'd been an icon in New York for a long time. And he was kind of a loathed and loved figure. Dr. Oz doesn't seem to have that same charisma. Um, Herschel Walker is another figure I think of. 
the public seems to see through these people more. Unfortunately, though, because of how divided our society is, I think Oz is going to win, even though he seems so fraudulent and awful. And I was talking with a buddy about this, and it just seems like if Oz hadn't have, I mean, if uh, Fetterman hadn't have had the stroke and could have articulated things better, he would have won. But Pennsylvania is so split that people are probably going to vote down party lines. And some of, um, some of Fetterman's ideas on crime, drugs, and fracking might not do well in working class Pennsylvania, and I'm, I'm worried those things are going to come back to backfire on him. So anyways, I'll be back tomorrow with a longer episode. I want to thank you guys for listening. Again, you can find me on Apple Podcasts, iTunes, YouTube, Podbean, Spotify, all that jazz. The debates have been fascinating. Uh, elections are coming up soon, so yeah, we'll try to keep it all covered.